0: Let me tell you a story as we begin today. Years ago when my children were small, I remember going out for some exercise on a local bike path. Rita and Sarah Jane were on rollerblades, which I know better than to try. Um, The twins, David and Jonathan, were on bicycles. I was jogging. I have no idea where Joseph was. Um, They were all obviously ahead of me, so they would... Every now and then, stop and wait for me to get there. As I was approaching, all of a sudden, I see Jonathan on the side of the path, and he um, looks like he is spitting and sputtering, and I'm just being nice. And um, all of a sudden, I ask him, Jonathan, what happened? And he says, Daddy, I swallowed a fly. It's so gross. Have you ever swallowed a fly, he asked me. And I said, yep, I've swallowed a lot of flies. (laughs) Who hasn't? There are those times in our lives in which we're moving along, everything is going perfectly fine, when out of nowhere it seems as if the world is caving in. Sometimes it doesn't seem like one fly. It seems like a whole swarm has come upon us. For some, of it may be health-related. If you look in our prayer request every week, you see many health-related needs to pray for. For some, it may be a parent or a struggling child. For some, it may be a job or a broken relationship. Perhaps someone has been stabbed in their back by their best friend. For some, it's extreme financial pressures. Some are simply overwhelmed with a plethora of events and responsibilities that are on your plate. Maybe even with all of those things being really good things. There's simply too much of the good stuff and you are not sure how well you're going to survive. You want to go into the fetal position that we keep seeing with the floppers in the World Cup. You know what that means? Y'all are all baseball fans and not soccer fans. If you don't understand, that's okay. Um, Sometimes we just want to check out for a while, don't we? Or maybe you become disgusted with yourself because you think that your trust in Jesus is not as strong as it should be. And now you're so down even about that that you want to cry. You know, sometimes we're harder on ourselves than God is on us. What do you do, though, when you swallow the fly? Where do you turn? Years ago, when Rita was diagnosed with cancer, and the waves of fear and uncertainty raged over us, we were remembering that her mom had died nine months after being diagnosed with the same cancer. I turned to a very familiar psalm that God had used in my life previously and a psalm that I had shared with dozens of other people over the years. And I invite you this morning to turn with me to Psalm 46. Everywhere it seems that I've turned this week, there have been someone in my path who needed to hear the message of Psalm 46. And the main person has been myself. One young man even told me, that he and his wife read this chapter each day because her mother had encouraged them to do so early in their marriage. Psalm 46, hear the word of God. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling." Now He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let us pray. Our Father, as we come this morning, we thank you for the privilege of prayer to come and put our requests before you. As we come, we desire to know what it means to be still, and we desire to be able to know you as the Lord. I pray that you would work that by your Spirit, would he come powerfully now, and teach and meet each one of us right where we find ourselves. In Christ's name, amen. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. What an incredible message that we need to hear regularly. In contrast to that message, there's a pop song that was out a few years ago that was very catchy and yet with a very different message. It can still be heard today on some radio stations. Um, Bette Midler sings these words, From a distance the world looks blue and green, and the snow-capped mountains white. From a distance, the ocean meets the stream, and the eagle takes to flight. From a distance, there is harmony, and it echoes through the land. It's the voice of hope. It's the voice of peace. It's the voice of every man. God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us. Can anybody finish it? From a distance. This captures the thought of so much of our culture. If there is a God, He is out there somewhere, either uninterested in us or unable to intervene in the dealings of man or perhaps unwilling to get involved. He only watches, and that from a distance. But it doesn't just happen in our culture. It captures what we sometimes think also, doesn't it? In the midst of our struggles in life, sometimes we so easily ask where God is and why doesn't He just do something to solve my situation? If the psalm writer were to hear Midler's words or perhaps our own thoughts sometimes, he would not recognize the God who is being spoken of. For he says... God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God does not watch from a distance. He is present and He cares and He intervenes on our behalf. As we consider the context of the psalm in a few minutes, it's clear that it was written at a time of crisis in the midst of a very real danger. Many commentators believe that Psalm 46 speaks of the deliverance which took place in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, around 700 B.C. The Assyrian king Sennacherib led the Assyrian forces against the city of Jerusalem and against the people of God. And Sennacherib's field commander stood outside the walls of Jerusalem. And he was taunting the people of God saying that no one could stand against the great Assyrian army. We're going to see in a few minutes the unbelievable delivery which God brought to His people during the night. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The emphasis is on God and on His being a refuge and His being a presence. He and no other. Because... God is our refuge and our strength. Verse 2 says, Therefore, we will not fear. We will not worry. We will not be undone. Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, the violent nature or violent force of nature. In an earthquake is what is being spoken of here as the writer paints a very vivid picture of the foundations shaking. Earthquakes strike terror into the hearts of those who experience them. The psalmist says, we will not fear. Why? Because God is present. He's a refuge. He's a strength. He's a help. If you've ever been in an earthquake or if your life has been shaken at its very foundation in other ways, and it has been and it will be, you know that you need a solid foundation. We were living in Mexico in 1985 um, during the big earthquake in Mexico City. I realize that many of you here were not around, and that's okay. Um, but there was an earthquake in 1985 that killed... Thousands of people in Mexico City. Joseph was about five. Sarah Jane was a newborn. We were about 200 miles away from Mexico City, actually closer to the epicenter, but the city that we were in was built on rock. Mexico City's not. And the effect was incredibly different. The solid foundation was something, but the earth just kept shaking. That day. In fact, Joseph, I was standing in the backyard and he comes out and he says, Daddy, I think there's an earthquake. And indeed there was. Um, It is a frightful experience in our lives to have the foundations shake. And today, here, the foundations are shaking for some. Shortly after that big earthquake, some builders from the United States arrived. And I took them down the coast of um, the Pacific there to a city called Ometepec. And we were going to visit a hospital which had been destroyed during this earthquake. And they were going to decide if they were going to try to rebuild it. It was a large hospital that had two wings. And they crossed just like this cross right in front of me. Well... When we went in, I realized that some of the walls had actually fallen down. The roof had fallen down in places, and we were climbing over it. And um, they were inspecting the damage. Well, I was not inspecting the damage. I was making a plan. And it was my escape plan. What in the world would I do if an earthquake hit while we were in the hospital? Well, we got to the cross right here where the two halls crossed. And you know what happened? An earthquake hit. All I remember is being outside looking in saying, where is everyone? And they were inside looking at each other saying, where did Joe go? (laughs) Well, I had a plan and they asked me when they got out, where did you go? You just disappeared. And I said, I am so sorry. I had a plan and it didn't involve you. <laughs> we can be certain that our foundations are going to shake. And our plan must be not just to run. And it must not be one that is self-centered. Our plan must be one that centers around the one who is present, our refuge and our strength. It may not be the earth literally moving under our feet, but we have many other things that we have allowed to become our foundations. And sometimes it may be in the form of job or money or status or stuff, or skills, and we could go on and on. The things that we tend to make as our foundations. But sometimes we think that we're secure because of the things that can shake way more than we realize. And all of these things, they can be very good in themselves, but they cannot provide the security that our hearts desire. All the stuff in the world cannot protect us from heartbreak, or disease, or sin, or our brokenness. A question for you. What do you wake up worrying about? What is your trouble and your anxiety, your anguish, your distress about? What do we do with our worry? I want to encourage all of us this morning to let our anxiety be a signal to us that we can't go it alone. We need the Lord and we need each other. The key thought here is that God is on our side. God is for His people. And God's being a very present help in trouble. The incredible nearness of God is being stressed as opposed to His viewing us from a distance. The psalm does not ignore the troubles of life. They will come. We can be certain of that. In fact, they're here today for so many. Have you ever been told, God is not going to give you more than you can handle? Some of us perhaps have even said that. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that as well-meaning as we are when we say that, that it's just not true. God does give us more than we can handle all the time. And that's the whole point of trusting Him and walking with Him. We would never turn to Him if we could handle everything all by ourselves. We were not meant to live life by ourselves. He gave us each other to live in community, and He gave us Himself to live in relationship with. We so often think that the only way that God um, should work is to remove the problem or the fly from us. When in reality, what He has promised is to be with us in the midst of our problems and issues and troubles. Our foundations will shake. And if there's anything at all except for the solid foundation of the Lord Jesus, an all-sufficient God, It's not going to work. Our footing has to be upon the solid rock of Christ because Christ is present with us. Only as we know and experience that truth will we be able to say with the psalmist, we will not fear. Verse 4, the scene changes from the upheaval of land and sea, from the waters roaring and raging to the peaceful picture of the river in Jerusalem. And actually, it's the gentle streams of the brook Siloam, the only natural supply of fresh water in Jerusalem. And Scripture says, these waters make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. And even though the scene changes from the upheaval to the quiet waters, there is still present the ragings of man. The city is under siege probably by the army of Assyria. The picture here is one of God's help as the quiet flowing ever present water supply and the lifeline of the besieged people. Christ says that he is our living water and as such he's the river of continual refreshment that gives us his people peace and rest and security. God is in the midst of His people. And we find consolation and refreshment and strength in that. The city of God that is made glad certainly refers to Jerusalem. Yet this earthly reference to Jerusalem fails to exhaust the meaning here. And the culmination, I think, is found in the new spiritual Jerusalem, a symbol of eternity spent with the Father which has been prepared by Him for us, His children. The place of ultimate security and joy with Him for eternity. Because of this river flowing from the throne of God. Revelation 22 says it this way, And He showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. It is God who provides for and secures His city and His people. Continuing, it says, God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar, the kingdoms totter. He raised His voice, the earth melted. Second Kings 19 tells us about the Assyrian forces under Sennacherib. They've encamped outside the city. They're going to invade the city the next day after all of their tauntings to the people. Um, they're ready for battle. And Scripture tells us that that night, the angel of the Lord went into their camp and killed 185,000 Assyrians. God has intervened. And He's helped His people during the night. God will help her when morning dawns, Psalm 46 says. The dawn of the next morning reveals the mighty works of God in defeating those in opposition to Him and in delivering His people. He raised His voice. The earth melted. God did not respond to save His people with a whimper. He raised His voice, the earth melted, the angel wiped out 185,000. That is a shout. And it declares the power and the strength and the care of God for His people. His presence with them. God will help her when morning dawns. As morning came, God's deliverance was made known also to all. Even as we remember the morning that the women and the disciples went to the tomb of the Lord Jesus and they found it empty. God does not save His people with a whimper, but with a shout that proclaimed that His power was even over death. That morning at the empty tomb, God shouted to the world that He is faithful to deliver and defend, and save His people. And as the children of God, we can be assured that whatever, and whomever it is that stands against us, that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. This God, who is in relationship with Jacob, is the same today. He is with His children. He is a stronghold. He remains committed to us, having made and sealed His covenant with us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another question, do you know deep down that God is with you? We tend to doubt and fear and worry, and I am a great worrier And yet, how many times have you and I seen the Lord deliver us? I mean, we're still here today, aren't we? Verse 8, Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. The psalmist summons his people to take note of God's decisive intervention in protecting the people of God and in the destruction of the enemies of God. Beloved... May we see and remember the mighty works of the Lord, the cross of the Lord Jesus and the empty tomb and know His love and His care for us. Come behold the works of the Lord is exactly what this meal that we are about to partake of, the Lord's Supper, calls us to do today. Come and behold the works of the Lord. Verse 9, He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. This is not a gentle persuasion. This is not presenting God as a peace negotiator, but as the conqueror, one who has conquered our sin. God steps in at this point in the psalm, and He speaks very clearly to His people then and to us today. Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Cease striving. Be still. Know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What great advice. But you know what? It's not advice. It's a command that He gives To his people, be still and know that I am God. We need to be still in order that we can know and contemplate who he is and who we are. What do you do with the worries and the things that keep you up at night? Be still, know that he is God, fall, rest. On him is what he's saying. This morning, let me make this application. Whether you know God as your Father or not, whether you know God who is a refuge and strength and a very present help and need or not, there are those of us here today who we've put our trust in all the wrong foundations, and those foundations are shaking. First, be still. Know that God is God. Scotty Smith describes this be still and know that I am God by saying that it is both a life-giving rebuke and a kiss from heaven at the same time. Receive, this morning, both the rebuke and the kiss. Second, come and behold the mighty works of that God has done for you in Christ. Christ has died for the sins of His people, bearing the penalty of our rebellion against Him, so that we might experience life with God. The cease striving, the be still here. It's really another way of saying, lay down your arms, surrender, acknowledge that I am the one and only victorious God, and yet the one who is present with you. What's your greatest need right now? We could say a lot of different things, but I really believe that one of our greatest needs is to know that God is present with us. This is our crucial relationship. And in order for us to know that He's with us, some of us perhaps need to change our pace or our priorities or our habits or what it is that we believe. Some of us still confuse some of the foundations that we're trusting in. And we confuse where our security comes from. The storms of life are going to come. God said, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And I ask all of us this morning, if God is to be exalted in the nations, shouldn't He also be exalted in our lives? Shouldn't it start here with us and in our hearts? If God is to be exalted out there, He must be exalted in our hearts and in our day and in our circumstances together. May we say to Him, you are God and I'm not. You are in control, and I am not. You are working in all things for my good and for your glory. What is it that you're battling with today? What keeps you awake at night? Are your foundations being shaken? Is trust part of your life? We so much want to trust. And yet it seems like it is so hard to do that. Cease striving. Be still and know that I am God. Behold the mighty works of God. As we slow down and as we look at His mighty works, it will help us be able to confront the day that is before us. As you know God, as you behold His works in your life, exalt Him, praise Him, I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God is to be exalted by His children. For He has delivered us in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has brought us from darkness into His marvelous light through the blood of Christ. Verse 11 closes with the very same words as verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Are you able to be still? and to rest, and to know in the depths of your being that God loves you. If we know that deep down, our lives would be different. Do you live with an awareness that God is truly with you? How would you feel if you could see God next to you right now, today, when the hurts come or perhaps when the loneliness is so strong that you want to cry, when the fear and worry seems to be consuming you. Beloved, He's next to you, but also He is within you if you've trusted in Him. He offers you and me refuge and strength from a world that would absolutely devour us. Another question for you. Do you ever just let God love you? In order to do that, you're going to have to be still. In order to understand that, you're going to have to slow down. In an orphanage in Mexico years ago, on one of our first trips um, with Saul in Mexico City, We went to an orphanage, and some of you will remember this. There was a little girl there, and she wanted to pray for our group. And as she began praying, she prayed for us. And she ended by saying, And Father, protect these friends in the holes of your nail-pierced hands. It undid us because she had a grip on the love of God that I'm not sure I did. God does not watch us from a distance. He's very present, and He helps in trouble, no matter what the fly is that we're having trouble swallowing right now. God is interested in, He is able and He's willing to help. And nothing shows that more than the table before us today, signifying the incarnation of Christ and the sacrifice that He made on our behalf. Now Christ has ascended to heaven, but He's given us His Holy Spirit. He calls Him the paraclete, one that walks alongside, is present with us. God is a resident in his city. He's the main resident. He's the most high and the king of the city. And yet he walks with his people. Some here this morning hurt so deeply that it seems as if the answers just don't help. And that's okay because God comes and he doesn't just give the answer. But he says that he is the answer. On his deathbed, John Wesley, with his very last breath, said this, The best of all is, God is with us. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Beloved, the best of all is, God is with us. Jesus changes everything. Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful that we are in relationship with you through the Lord Jesus because we know that Jesus indeed has changed everything. We would ask that you would come this morning and continue to work in our hearts what it means to be still and to know that You are God, to know that You indeed are a very present help in trouble. Father, we so want to exalt You and truly experience You as a refuge and strength, a very present help. Father, would You work that in our hearts, because sometimes we've tried and it just hasn't worked. So, Father, we fall on You. We surrender. And we ask that You would come. Forgive us when we have depended on the wrong foundations Father, thank You that You do not watch over us from a distance, but that You are present and You walk with us, holding our hands, preparing the way for us and even carrying us at times. Father, we come this morning also bringing back to You from that which You have entrusted to us. Father, You have blessed us in abundance. We have food in our refrigerators and we have um, a roof over our heads. Um, Perhaps not all in the same way. But Father, you have been good to us. You have given us friends to speak into our lives and to love us. Father, we ask um, that you would bring great honor to yourself even as you receive these offerings, and that you would help others here and around the world to know that you indeed are a very present help in trouble. In the matchless name of Christ we pray. Amen.